between soccer and Christmas music, I'm going to have no voice by the end of this week. <laughs> Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Those with a skin disease are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for being able to experience the joy of Christmas as we sing these songs and as we celebrate your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Christmas play that we will see this afternoon and for all the children participating in it that remind us of that Christmas story. We ask now, O oh Lord, that as we hear this word proclaimed, that you will speak to our hearts and our need of you, Lord, that you will give us exactly what we need to hear from you. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever picked somebody up at the airport? Anybody? Ever had that experience? It's a wonderful experience, right? Going to the airport and picking somebody, especially on those busy travel days. I remember back when you could actually go in, you know, and wait where the people came out, you know? You remember that? Where people would line up on both sides and there usually would be some kind of tape or something running all the way down and people would stand at either side and they would, they would hold signs, you know, looking for Joe Smith with Prudential. <laughs> you know, they would hold these, these uh, official signs that had somebody's name and a company and the person that was picking them up was clearly a driver, you know, they were wearing some nice black suit and sometimes a white shirt and some slacks and they were they kept looking for the person that they were waiting for at the airport and you know on a busy day at the airport this can be a difficult process especially here in Atlanta because we get so many people traveling we get so many people coming through so can you imagine you being one of those drivers and you're sitting there with a sign with somebody's name somebody's company and 
You're glancing down at your phone to see a picture of them to try to figure out who it is so that when you see them coming, you can recognize who they are. A lot of times, these people that are uh, contracted to pick up somebody, they don't even know what they look like. Sometimes they don't even have a picture for reference. All they know is the name and the company that they're with. But along those lines, when you see people coming in and you see people waiting for others, there's also another group there. These are not the official people that are drivers and people picking up others uh, for a business meeting or for some other engagement like that. These are the people who have the scribbled signs in their own little kid's handwriting that say, welcome home, daddy, or welcome home, son, or uh, welcome somebody who has uh, been gone for a long trip. Love you, honey. Glad you're home. Things like that. Very personal messages. And you can always tell these two groups apart because the person waiting for somebody that is just a company person they're just holding up their sign. They're not too excited to be there. They're actually not happy to be there because they, they have to wait, you know. And they're just, you know, you know, whenever they come, they'll come. And the people that have the personal signs, they're all up into the entrance as far up as they'll let them go, just looking inside, trying to see the person coming and holding that sign as high as they can hold it and excited about the person coming. And you can tell there's a big difference in their excitement about what they're doing. The personal written notes sometimes even have little pictures and things. And those people, they don't need a picture of who they're waiting for. They don't. Why? Because they have a picture here and a picture here. They have a clear understanding of who they're looking for and they're waiting for and they're expecting them to come out at any single moment through that baggage claim line. Every now and then you'll notice that one or more of these people holding personal signs actually get surprised by the person that they're waiting for as they sneak up on them and stand right in front of them and go, it's me. Don't you recognize me? This happens a lot to people that go off to the military. They left really hairy and kind of wearing some baggy jeans. And they come back in full uniform, short haircut, shaven. And their own family are going, is it really you? They don't even recognize them because there's been such a transform transformation in their lives. And these families are looking for the person that left not the person that's arriving. They're looking for something different. And so they don't recognize them. And it's, it's wonderful to see the expression on their face when they realize that this is really the person that they've been looking for. When we read in our scripture that John the Baptist was in prison and he, he hears about what Jesus is doing, we hear that he all of a sudden begins to question, is this really the one? that we've been waiting for? Because Jesus didn't look like what he expected him to look. He didn't act exactly the same way that he would have maybe acted. John the Baptist had been preaching repentance in the wilderness. He'd been going out to remote places and inviting people to come to him. Jesus had been the opposite. He was going to where the people were. 
He was going to the villages. He was going to the towns. He was entering into people's arenas and preaching the coming of the kingdom. There were so many things about Jesus' ministry that just didn't fit the expectations of what the Messiah was going to be like. And so John sends his disciples to ask Jesus directly, are you the one who is to come or should we wait for another? It was a fair question. The implications of the answer were monumental. If you're the one that was to come, then we don't need to look any further. We can stop waiting and we can start acting based on the fact that you have arrived. If you're the one who was to come, then we don't need to look for another one. We need to know what you want to do and what you want us to do so that we can get on board with your agenda. This means that our response is going to change based on your answer to this question. If you are the one that we've been waiting for, then what do we do next? We've been waiting so, sometimes we've been waiting so long we don't even know what to do next. You know, when the driver picks up the person at the airport, they go, can I have your bags? The car's this way, and you, you, you know, escort them out of the airport. But sometimes people are in so much shock that they just stand there talking, and eventually the person goes, can we go now? We're done here. I've arrived. We can go. We don't have to stay here and keep talking. We can do that at home. We can do that in the car. We can do that somewhere else. Je Jesus is, the question that was being posed to Jesus by John was basically saying, do we need to continue to wait for the arrival of someone else or can we move on to phase two? Can we move on to the next step? John's disciples, disciples came to Jesus and asked the question exactly as John asked it. Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Now, the easiest thing for Jesus would have been to answer that as a yes or no question. Yes, I am, or no, I'm not. But we know that Jesus often didn't answer the questions as they were asked, right? He had more in mind. And so when he answers the question, he says to them, go and tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with a skin disease are, are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. What Jesus was saying is the proof is in the pudding. Look at what's going on. Look at what's happening. Look at all the signs of the kingdom of God breaking in. You see, Jesus' ministry was marked by the reversal of the things that ail us, the things that bind us, the things that haunt us, the things that oppress us. He said, look for yourselves at what's happening and go tell John what you've seen. He could have added so much more evidence to his case. He could have said, yeah, well, you know, I walked on water the other day. And, and by the way, I'm planning to be raised from the dead. <laughs> and there's just so much I could tell you. But yeah, just look at the evidence of what's before you. Jesus is saying, if you look at what I'm doing, you'll know who I am. If you look at the signs, you'll know and recognize who I am. Jesus indeed was the Messiah. Not because he went around telling people that he was, 
but because he did the works that the Messiah was supposed to do, because he did the message, he shared the message that God had given him about the coming kingdom. People that were paying attention would have known this is the Messiah. Let me ask you a question. Do people know who you are when they see you? If they're looking for a lover of God, a follower of Jesus, a person full of his light, and they look at you, do they go, I found him or her? I found them. Or do they say, do I need to look for another? <laughs> you need, see, sometimes we think it's about filling somebody's expectations, but Jesus proved that it wasn't about filling somebody else's expectations, but about living up to the standard of what God was calling us to be. It was not just about coming to church on Sunday, but living the faith all the days of our lives so that when people look at us, they will see that we are followers of Jesus, that we are lovers of God. You know, John's disciples went back to John and wanted to report the news. He's, they, told, they went back to tell, tell him, you know, this is what's going on. The blind see, the people that are sick are healed. The poor received good news. By the way, the poor never got good news back then. They were just marginalized. Nobody had good news for them. And you have to wonder if John understood that this really was the one at that point. You see, Jesus turns to the crowd after they have left and he says, I know you all had expectations. And I know that I don't always fill your expectations. What did you expect when you went out to see John in the wilderness? You didn't expect somebody in fine robes. You didn't expect somebody dressed in fine clothing. You expected a prophet. And John filled your expectation. He dressed like a prophet. He talked like a prophet. He lived like a prophet. He did things based on what you would have expected of a prophet. But I know that my message and my methods were different. And that it didn't exactly meet the expectations that you had for me. He was recognizing that John had come in a form that people could understand and relate to in a lot more ways than he could for them. But he was trying to explain something to them. The kingdom that I bring is one that breaks expectations. It's one that turns conventional wisdom on its head. It's one that changes the way we look at things because we now see things from God's perspective. He says, John indeed was a great prophet, the greatest that ever lived. He said, there is no greater prophet than John. But then in the next sentence he says, oh, and by the way, the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So he immediately turns it up on its head. He's like, yeah, he was the greatest. And by the way, the least in the kingdom is greater than he. He immediately told them that his kingdom was radical, that his kingdom was bringing about an equality before God that they had never experienced, where the poor and the marginalized, where the sick and the oppressed were all going to be welcome and restored, that things were going to change. It was a kingdom in which even a thief crucified next to him would find a place in heaven. A kingdom where a woman who was accused of infidelity could find grace. A kingdom in which 
those who nobody want to get near, like the lepers, who are going to find redemption and forgiveness and healing. Jesus wanted them to understand the kingdom's not going to fit all of the things that you thought it was going to fill. It's not going to fill those expectations, but it's going to be way better than what you expected. It's going to be way better than you anticipated. And no, Jesus did not fit the expectations of the Messiah. He didn't ride into Jerusalem in a horse as a conquering king. He came in a donkey. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. Came telling us to bless our enemies and not curse them, to pray for them. He came telling us to turn the other cheek. I mean, the expectation clearly was different than the reality of the Messiah. And because of that, people had a hard time accepting that Jesus was indeed the one to come. And they continued to, looking f to look for another. Even today, people are asking the same question that John asked. Are you the one, or should I look for another? And we have found that many people are still looking in other places for salvation, for grace, for mercy, for healing, for life, for restoration. People are still looking for answers in the wrong places. Look at all the self-help books we got out there that you can fix yourself. You don't even need Jesus. Or all those that say, you know, if you just get enough wealth, you'll be happy and have joy. Or those that say, you don't need anybody but yourself to be made whole. You know, people are still asking, is Jesus the one? Or should I keep searching for another? Well, it is up to us to be the ones to let them know that Jesus was the Messiah and is the Messiah. That he is the one that was to come and he's the one that arrives and brings with him life and hope and forgiveness and grace and new life. That we are the ones to let them know that he has arrived and the kingdom is here and now and now it's up to us to get on with the agenda of the kingdom of God and to share that good news with everyone around us. I told you when somebody you're waiting for at the airport arrives, you don't just stay in the airport and do a tour of the airport. You get in your car and you go on to the next phase. You take them and you go on to see what they want to do and what you're going to do with them. It's time for you to get out of there, to unpack, to get busy, to do the next thing. Jesus' arrival signals the coming of the kingdom of God here and now, not just some time in the future, not just some time later. Jesus has arrived. Let's unpack his kingdom. Let's share his goodness and his grace. Let's make sure that the poor do receive the good news. Let's make sure people know he is the one that you're looking for, even if you don't realize it. Just look at the signs, and you'll see that he is the Messiah of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, because you are the one that we have been waiting for. You're the one that brings life and restoration. You're the one that brings hope. You're the one that brings forgiveness. You're the one that brings us the message that we need to receive from God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you sent Jesus. 
Help us now to share your goodness and your grace with this world that is still looking for answers in so many of the wrong places. Help us to tell them that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open as we pray and uh, we continue worship this morning.